This morning we're going to be looking at uh, another question. Uh, we spent four weeks looking at big questions, questions that uh, lost people ask Christians all the time. Uh, things relating to uh, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about science, what we believe about society. And last week and this week we've looked at two questions that, that we as believers can ask in an unbelieving world. Last week, we looked particularly at a question that, that helps us kind of defend our faith from what we'll call an apologetics point of view. That is, this is why we believe what we believe. And we talked about morality. Where does morality come from? It was a quote-unquote proof for an existence of some God or some being. And then we turned to Scripture to find out who that God is. But this morning's question, is there an afterlife? is not necessarily a proof of a God or a disproof of a God. Instead, it's a question that I think every person should seriously ask themselves. Whether you believe in a God or a religion or whether you're an atheist, you should wrestle with this question. Is this life all that there is? As a matter of fact, if you have your your digital bulletin, and you can find that on our website, fbcrobinson.com slash resources, you can pull open a digital bulletin. If you tap the sermon notes, it's going to have all of our scripture passages and a detailed sermon outline if you'd like to follow, or you can just take notes and follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word. The first scripture I want to read, our base scripture for this morning, is this exact question that Job asks. In Job chapter 14, verse 14, he asks, If a man dies, shall he live again? Now, now Job is asking it in this context. Is this all there is to life? Job is in the midst of suffering and pain and anguish. He's lost all of his family except his wife, and his wife has begged him to curse God and die. He's lost all of his possessions, all of his help, all of his friends, the only friends he has are those who are coming to him and saying, do you think maybe you've got a sin problem here, Job, and that's why everything is happening? Some friends they are. And so Job asks this question, if a man dies, if I give up my life now, if there's all that there is, is there anything more, or is this miserable life I'm experiencing all that there is? I think it's a question that humanity has wrestled with for a long time. A question that we should continue to ask and wrestle with in our own lives. Is there more after this life? This is not a proof question. This is an introspection. And the value of this question lies in the consequences of a yes response. If there is an afterlife, how will that affect my current life? If I currently... I'm living a life, and that's it. Does it make a difference, then, what I do for others? If we think about this question, we, we have to wrestle with the reality of heaven and hell. Secular scientists are surprisingly divided over this answer. Those who don't believe in God, uh, you'll find some who, who are staunch believers that this life is all there is, and once we die, we, we return to dust. Right? There's nothing more after this. When our brain stops functioning, we stop existing. But there are a surprising number of atheists and secular scientists who have done studies on the brain and have realized some correlation that once the brain stops, that there are some activities that continue in the body. And there are some scientists who are 
even non-religious scientists who have devoted their study and their life to studying what they call uh, near-death experiences. Those who, who die physically for a brief time and say they've seen a light or a tunnel of some sort. They talk about colors that they've never seen before and, and often experience something they say is more real than they've ever experienced before. Now, whether you believe those things happen or not is beside the point. The question that these scientists are asking is, is there an afterlife? Is there something that continues? What's amazing with these near-death experiences that they find is, is that they're all similar, even when they've never heard of them before. It's always a light. It's always a tunnel. It's always bright, vibrant colors. And it's always people describing a reality that felt more real than life itself. And so scientists are split. They don't know the answer to this question. And so as we're asking this, we have to acknowledge that there are some who are going to reject it, some who are going to accept it, but there's not a single person on the planet who can prove it. The only way we can know about an afterlife is if somebody who created everything, if there's someone who wrote maybe some words to instruct us on the spiritual realm, the only way we know is if there was some authority who had been there or created it and exists tells us. Because what we observe in creation cannot prove or disprove life after death. So I think it's important that we don't just start picking out things randomly, but we go to the source. What does Jesus himself say about this question? We've talked in weeks past how, how God is the creator of all things. How he's the one who created heaven and earth. He's the one who creates our life. He creates the afterlife. He's Lord of the physical. He's Lord of the spiritual. And of all people, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the authority on this answer. So we'll start by an emphatic answer, just really rearranging the words of the question to give the answer. There is an afterlife. Yes, there is an afterlife. Christ affirms the presence of an afterlife explicitly. He talks often about heaven and hell. He talks often about a spiritual realm. And he specifically addresses a few people to answer this question that you and I need to be so sure on. By the way, there are a growing number of Christians, and actually I'll, I'll put Christians in quotation marks, churchgoers who call themselves Christians and churches who have abandoned Jesus' teaching on this and will tell you that even in your Christianity, once you die, that's it. So do all the good works you can on earth because death is the end. Jesus would say different. Jesus actually addressed a group of people, namely the Sadducees, who believed that there was no life after death. The Sadducees taught that their Jewish faith was confined to the world that they lived in, and once their life was over, their faith and their existence was over as well. And so Jesus addresses them in Mark chapter 12, verses 26 and 27, and he does so fairly harshly. Read with me Mark 12, 26 through 27. And as for the dead being raised, specifically he's talking about from death into the afterlife. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Is, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. 
Listen to Jesus' logic here. As Jesus is explaining the story of Moses and the burning bush, he says, God looks at Moses and says, I'm the God of Abraham who has died, and Isaac who has died, and Jacob who has died. And Jesus says, he is the God of the living, not the dead. Therefore, God must be still keeping them in an afterlife. You and I can have the same assurance that this life is not the end, that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And therefore, our death does not separate us from eternity. Later, Jesus will comfort his disciples with a promise of an afterlife. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is relating to them the the things that are coming up with his death, and his eventual separation from the disciples, their sadness and mourning. But Jesus tells them in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Jesus says, even with me going and leaving, I will return And I will bring you to the next life. Over and over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus affirms there is an afterlife. There is more to this current life. And as you're talking to unbelieving friends, it's important to ask the question, if there is an afterlife, does it affect how you live today? Does it affect how you live this life? Several years ago, it was popular uh, to to use the phrase YOLO. Have you guys heard the phrase YOLO? Y-O-L-O, you only live once. That was everywhere on every t-shirt. They replaced the WWJD, you only live once. I remember doing a Bible study with some college students in North Carolina, and they were all about YOLO and dabbing and all of that other hip stuff that I was not because I'm old and don't understand it. And so they're talking about YOLO, you only live once and we've got to do the most we can until one of them astutely pointed out, I'm going to make a shirt that says YOLT. YOLT? Yeah, you only live twice because this life is not the end, right? That's awesome. I love that. I couldn't convince any t-shirt manufacturers to make a YOLT shirt, but I think it's pretty cool, right? There's more to life than just this one. So we don't live our life going around saying, what can I get? What can I get? What can I have? What can I build up for myself? How can I be the best version of myself today? We understand that there is more. So everything we invest in in this life points not to the here and now, but to eternity. So knowing there is an afterlife, knowing that there is more to our current state, should change the way we function and change the way we live this life. Then Jesus clearly states, while there is an afterlife, there's not just one destination. Jesus says there are two possible destinations in the afterlife. This is where people start moving away from wanting to believe the afterlife to wanting to abandon it. The afterlife sounds great when it's heaven. The afterlife sounds wonderful when It's a feeling more real than you've ever felt before, more beautiful than you've ever experienced. The afterlife is great when it's a light in a tunnel calling you, drawing you, when angels are singing, people are smiling, and St. Peter's there to put his arm around your neck without a mask because there's no coronavirus in heaven. We understand that the afterlife is beautiful when there's one destination, but Jesus teaches very clearly that there are multiple places in the afterlife. 
He gives a a few examples, most notably in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. He presents us with two realities in eternity in Luke chapter 16. The rich man who was selfish and cared only about himself and Lazarus who worshipped God faithfully. And in the story that Jesus tells, both of these men die, and he talks about these two destinations. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. The same thing happened to the rich man and to Lazarus. They both experienced a physical death. But the realities of eternity are vastly different. I think the same can be said for you and I. We have the same end of life results. Of everyone who has ever been created and lived, there has only been two people that I know of that have ever lived and not died. It's a nice trick question. Do you know who those two people are? The first one everybody always says is Jesus. No, he died for your sins. Let's back that up a little bit. He did come back to life and was ascended, but even he experienced death. We have two in all of Scripture. We have Enoch, who walked with God in Genesis, and God called him away, and, and Enoch was no more. And we have the prophet Elijah, who was so faithful that God sent a flaming chariot to carry him off to heaven. So statistically speaking, 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
Don't spend a small amount of time separated from him, but all eternity in an eternal punishment. The hope that we have is that the same is true for believers. That we don't have a small window to spend with our Creator and our Lord. It's not as if we have a a temporary holding place, a rental mansion that He gives us. He gives us property in the new heaven and the new earth. We put down roots and for all of eternity get to spend knowing more and more about our Creator. Lovingly embracing, hugging, spending time with, growing with our Lord. These two realities are immediate and they're permanent. There's no switching back and forth. There's no spending time in one and falling into the other. How we live our life today matters because there are two eternal destinations to choose. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have gone to the resurrection and life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus alludes here that there are not just two destinations, but He gives some stipulations on how you can make sure you're going to a specific destination. Jesus tells us very clearly there is only one way to live forever. One way and one way only to live forever. Last night, we, we watched a movie as a family. Um, sometimes we have to make our kids. We bribed them with ice cream because, you know, they, they like doing their own thing. And so if you'll sit and watch a movie with us, we can eat ice cream. And we watched the movie Tuck Everlasting. Have you read the book or seen the movie Tuck Everlasting? It's a great book. It's a really good movie as well. In the movie, and I don't mind spoiling it for you in the book, um, because it's kind of the premise of the whole story, there's the Tuck family who has found the fountain that gives eternal life. And when you drink it, you never die. You can't die. And so you live forever. And they're uh, uh, over 100 years old, a mom, dad, the two sons, living in this forest, separated from the rest of the world, living forever. And the only way you can achieve this is if you go to the water and you drink. It's the only way. There have been people for centuries, they explain, who have tried to find the fountain of youth, the source of eternal life, and couldn't find it. But if you drink the water, then you live forever. I tell you, the Bible explains it very similarly. Not with physical water, but with a living water. There's one way, and one way only. No matter how hard we search, no matter what we look for, no matter what we try to do to figure out how we can assure ourselves we will be in heaven, we can try everything. Jesus says there's one way, one spring, one water. What determines a person's eternal destiny is whether or not he has faith in Jesus Christ. One of the most popular verses, maybe the most popular verse in all of Scripture is John 3, 16. I want to read John 3, 15 through 18. You'll hear the familiar passage in the midst of Jesus explaining this truth. That whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you see the way? God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Verse 18. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son. I tell you, John 3.18, I think, is as powerful as John 3.16. Look at these words. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, is not condemned. You have eternal life and eternal security and eternal hope, but... Whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he's not believed in the name, the one way of the only Son of God. Jesus makes it very clear. There's one path to eternal life, one and one alone. If the afterlife is real, we believe it is. If heaven and hell are real places and we believe it is, we need to know how we can have assurance to spend eternity with Christ. That famous verse, John 3, 16, makes it clear that Jesus died for the whole world, for everyone. But sadly, many would rather choose on their own accord to follow darkness rather than light. Jesus doesn't stop at verse 18. He sadly says in verse 19, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The sad reality is that Jesus Christ has made a way so that every person who has ever lived can have a relationship with Him and spend eternity with the Creator. But people love the darkness instead of the light. The reality of heaven and hell is not enough for people, many people, to turn away from their own desire to live in the here and the now. The vast majority of people would rather take the comfortable path, rather take the easy road that's best for them today, here and now. The last verse I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, which tells us of this sad reality. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those that find it are few. The reality is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is hard today. But it's perfect for eternity. Living for yourself and looking out for your own comforts and, and doing things your own way is easy and comfortable now, but it is an eternally impossible way to live forever. Sadly, many of us are so concerned with our here and our now. People have made millions of dollars selling books, telling you that if you just do the right things today, you'll feel better about yourself. You live for you today. Be who you can be today. Live your best life right here and right now. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ says, living your best life now is not the way to heaven. The only way to heaven, the only thing that determines your eternal destiny is whether you commit to have faith in Christ as Savior and as Lord. This question, is there an afterlife, changes everything. It takes the focus off of the here and the now, live everything we can for the moment, and places it on eternity. 
God, I'm going to work today to serve you, knowing that you've promised an eternal rest and peace with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this question that makes us ask, not only is there an afterlife, but what am I doing with my current life? Father, we ask that you would help us as believers to be motivated to serve you and to lead others to a knowledge of salvation so that they can spend eternity with you. Lord, for those who are are skeptical or uncertain, Lord, maybe they've just never embraced you as their Savior and Lord, let this question hit hard. Let your Spirit work in their heart. So when they ask this question, they're burdened to say, Lord, what do I need to do today to be assured that I will live with you in eternity? Father, we ask this morning that you would convict hearts to trust you, to forgive their sin, or that they would turn from that life and trust you to show them how to live from this day to eternity. It's in your name we pray. Amen.